Hallelujah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another marvelous episode of CFB Nation, hosted by me, Lever KT, a.k.a. the governor of college football. And look, it's week seven. I want y'all to do this. We're going to time capsule week seven. When we fast forward to conference championships, when we fast forward to bowl season, when we fast forward to New Year's Six Bowls, when we fast forward to the college football playoff, we're going to look back at week seven as the week that was so before we get into today's segment the show was sponsored by anchor anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast is how i streamline my podcast make sure y'all check out anchor.fm thank you anchor for sponsoring this show and every show that we do so this is the second episode that we're doing this week y'all know what that means it means preview and predictions so the games on today's slate we're talking about syracuse marching into raleigh to take on nc state that game got ACC Atlantic implications, big implications there. ACC Atlantic is the most underrated division in all of college football. That's how strongly I believe in the ACC Atlantic. Also, Oklahoma State Cowboys are marching into Fort Worth, Texas to take on Texas Christian University. That game is going to be a dandy. That game, too, has big 12 implications. I'm starting to see the theme here. Penn State is marching into the big house to take on Michigan. That has not only Big Ten implications, but Big Ten East implications. As we're talking about Ohio State, they've been great this season. We're talking about Michigan. They've been great this season. Penn State, they're undefeated. Now, they've had a couple of games here and there, and we like, ah, it's cause for pause. But outside of that, they've been a good team. It's that time of year again. It's that third Saturday in October. And we're talking about a series that Alabama has dominated. But a lot of people, especially the people in Knoxville, are really excited for this game. And we're also going to talk about Week 7, superlatives. I'm going to give you guys some bold takes. And I'm going to also give you all you know, what I think the storylines will be for this Week 7. So I want you all to sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack. And guess what? Y'all with CFB Nation for the next 30 minutes. We got y'all. Game number one, we're talking about NC State versus Syracuse. Like I said earlier, Syracuse is marching down to Raleigh. These two teams are meeting for the 16th time. NC State leads this series 13-2 with NC State winning last year's game, 41-17. Devin Leary was phenomenal in that game, 17-24, threw for 303 yards, also added two touchdowns in that game. But let me remind you guys. This year's Syracuse team is not last year's Syracuse team, and what a difference a year makes. Let's talk about all things NC State first. AP Poll has them ranked 15th in the nation, their last game to defeat it. FSU 19-17. It was a close game, but they was able to pull it out. But shout-out to Mike Norvell and company. He's really been able to turn it down down in Tallahassee. So, NC State 5-1. Devin Leary. Coming into this season, Devin Leary was like a buzzword name, not as much as like a Will Levis uh, but he was a buzzword for, like, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. Uh, my boy Jalen Wilson had him ranked, I believe, sixth on his list. But so far this season, he has 11 touchdowns, four interceptions. My only complaint about Devin Leary this year is I think his completion percentage should be higher. I grade elite quarterbacks on their completion percentage in college and decision-making. Um, but his completion percentage is at 61.1 as of now. It was like 59% earlier in the season, I think, after the ECU game. And I forgot who they played. Was it the Texas Tech? It might have been the Texas Tech game. It was at 59%. So, he did get it up. But the uh, elite quarterbacks in college football is mid to high 60s, honestly. And then you do have some quarterbacks that are in 70s. So, let's talk about who's who offensively. We already talked about Devin Leary. Let's talk about Demi Sumu Karmbaya. He got 299 yards in the season. 
5.8 yards per carry, also has three touchdowns in the season. Uh, Jordan Houston, their spell is not too shabby either. He got 260 yards in the season. He averages 4.1 yards per carry. Thayer Thomas is that guy on the outside. He's Hemothy, as the young guys would say. 24 catches, 301 yards, and also has two touchdowns on the season. Key metrics. So some of the key metrics, when I look at metrics at every game, how many points are you scoring a game? How many points are you holding your opponents to per game? How long do you possess the ball per game? Are, is your defense getting teams off of the field on third downs? Those are some of the key metrics that I'm looking for. So for NC State, some of the key metrics. Opponent third down percentage rate, 30%. That's damn good. Third and long, NC State's going to get you off the field. Seven times out of 10. That's pretty good. And they're also holding teams to 15 points per game. You know, NC State, we talk about Devin and Larry. We talk about their Thomas on the outside. But the defense is the meat and potatoes of this, of this team, if I'm being honest. Now, let's switch gears. Let's talk all things Syracuse. Syracuse is ranked 18th in the nation per the AP poll. Last game, they defeated Wagner 59-0. I believe that game was on October 1st. Uh, so, that means that Syracuse will have two weeks to prepare for this team that's pretty dang good Gary Schrader is playing phenomenal 70% completion percentage 10 touchdowns one interception and I'm going to kind of make a comparison here and you guys are going to see why later but I'm not going to explain why now Gary Schrader is having that the start of the season similar to what Brendan Armstrong had last season I'll bring it all together a little bit later Sean Tucker is Mr. Everything offensively for Syracuse 546 yards 5.0 yards per carry. Also got five TDs on the season. He gets busy uh, receiving the ball as well. 19 catches, one touchdown. Also, Aronde Gasson. The second is a name you want to know offensively for Syracuse. 23 catches, 366 yards, and three touchdowns on the season. Let's talk about key metrics for Syracuse. They possess the ball 32 minutes a game. That's four minutes than the other team. That's pretty daggone good. That's a possession, depending on the team, maybe a possession and a half. Hey, Chip Kelly may get two, may get two possessions out of that. So their red zone efficiency percentage is beautiful, 95%. Uh, they're 23 to 24, and the touchdown is, is great as well, 16 to 24. Uh, as far as touchdowns in the red zone, that's 66%. Key matchup. Earlier I mentioned Brendan Armstrong. I'm going to tie it all together now. Their offensive coordinator is uh, Robert Renee. He was a pro-style offense. He was also UVA's offensive coordinator last year. This year, we've seen UVA's offense take a step down. This year, we've seen Syracuse Orange offense take a step up. That's no coincidence. That is Robert Renee. He's getting a ball out of Garrett Schrader's hand. He's uh, giving the ball to Sean Tucker in winning situations, and that's why Syracuse has gotten off to the start that they've gotten off to. And it's him and them, rather, versus NC State defensive coordinator Tony Gibson. He runs a 3-5-5. He's not afraid to uh, drop eight, and he kind of utilizes Tyler Baker-Williams the same way that the Washington Huskies utilized Buda Baker when he was in college and also how he is utilized now at Arizona. But give me the Syracuse Orange 27-20. to 20. Moving right along, we headed down to Big 12 territory. We're talking about the Oklahoma State Cowboys taking on Texas Christian University. All right, so let's talk about this game. They're meeting for the 33rd time. The Cowboys had a slight edge over the Horn Frogs. They've won 17 games. They don't, they've lost 13 with two ties. Cowboys won last year's game. Let me say this. 63-17. to 17. So let's foreshadow a little bit. Bulletin board material. 63-17. to 17. I think Sonny Dykes is going to use that properly. So that game is still fresh in memory. But, you know, like I said, this game isn't in still water this year. It's in Fort Worth, Texas. It's going to be a dandy. TCU, 6-0, ranked 13th per the AP poll. 
They defeated Kansas last week in a thriller, 38 to 31. Max Duggan is playing great ball at this point. He threw his first interception of the season last week against Kansas. He got 14 touchdowns on the season. His completion percentage is 73%. He's playing phenomenal. Kendra Miller, I I was wondering how TCU would do after Zach Evans' departure. Zach Evans is now at Ole Miss. But Kendra Miller is doing a good job. He got 474 yards on the season. He got six touchdowns. He also uh, averaging just south of seven yards per carry. Quentin Johnson. We had a Quentin Johnson signing last week. He had 14 catches versus that Kansas team. So far in the season, he got 26 catches, 320 yards, one touchdown. And really, Max Duggan and Spencer Sanders, I got to give kudos to them both because they both share the sugar. Tay Barber got 12 catches on the season, and Darius Davis got 16 catches on the season. He also added three touchdowns with it. Key metric for TCU. TCU averages 46 points per game. They're 17 of 22 in the red zone as far as touchdown efficiency. That's 77%. That's pretty daggone good. And then they complete about 50% of their third down opportunities. Not bad at all. Let's switch gears and talk about all things Oklahoma State. They're 5-0. They're the eighth-ranked team in the nation. Now, Oklahoma State has been good the last two years. Mike Gundy has done a great job with that. Mike Gundy has done a great job with that program. My apologies. But I think they started off this year kind of similar to how Michigan started off. Didn't really schedule tough non-conference games, but that's neither here nor there. They're 5-0. and They were good last year. They're good again this year. Uh, last game, they defeated Texas Tech 41-31. to Spencer Sanders, we've seen a lot of developments uh, with him being able to do it from the pocket. His completion percentage is up. He's at 61% so far for the year. I'd like to see him get that up, but he's a dual-threat quarterback. Um, I think he has 12 yards. 12, I said 12 yards. 12 passing touchdowns, and he also has Six rushing touchdowns to go along with it. So he helps in not only the passing game, he helps in the running game. Also, uh, Dominic Richardson is doing pretty well. He got four touchdowns in the season. Swire receivers, uh, Brendan Presley is his favorite target, but John Paul Richardson is up there. Brendan Johnson is up there, and also Bryson Green is up there for receptions as well. So he definitely shares the sugar. So let's talk about key metrics for this Oklahoma State Cowboys team. They average 46 points per game as well. Their defensive line, one of the best defensive lines in the nation. They're able to rotate players, able to keep their defense alignment fresh. They have 16 sacks on the season, and they hold their opponents to only a 27% conversion rate on third downs. Once again, another team, 7 out of 10 times, they're going to get you off that field on third downs. That is important. Key matchup. They talk players, we talk coaches, we talk schemes. That's the difference. TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Rowley, we all know he – Air raid offense, let a vertical passing game. He likes to get the ball out of Max Duggan's hand pretty quickly as well. Versus Oklahoma State defense coordinator Derek Mason. Simulated pressures. I hear that a lot. Mug eight fronts. What is mug eight fronts? Well, it's when you see eight people on the line of scrimmage. Nickelback included, all linebackers included, all defense alignment included. And you don't know who's coming or going. It may send a nickelback. May not send a nickelback. Defense end may drop back. Defense end may pass rush. Nose tackle may pass rush. Nose tackle may drop back that is what that is meant to do so what Dirk Mason is going to try to do is confuse Max Duggan good luck because uh not many teams have been able to do it this year but that'll be the goal so as far as who do I got in this game Sonny Dykes I believe is a type of coach that he's going to constantly remind the players that were on this team and played in this game last year what happened last year I think you're going to see 63 to 17 signs everywhere in the locker room no matter where you go oh Quarterbacks meeting at 930, 63 to 17 is what they're going to walk into. That's I just believe that he's that type of ball coach. So, in this game, I don't even care if it was in Stillwater. 
from the tape, from what I've seen, I believe that TCU is the better team. Give me TCU. I think it'll be a high-scoring game, of course. It'll be a close game. Give me TCU 41-38. to 38. Somehow, Max Duggan will make more plays than Spencer Sanders. Moving right along. Let's go to Big Ten East Country. We're talking about Penn State versus Michigan. This is going to be a dandy. Big, 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 big. The big conference, big implications, big, big Ten East implications. They're meeting for the 26th time. Michigan leads this series 15-10. Michigan won last year game 21-17. to Hassan Haskins had a great game last year. He totaled the rock like 31 times, had a buck 56. There's a reason why he's playing on Sundays. Not saying that this was the game, but either way, whoever wins this game, it's a top 10 game, uh, and uh, it's a big resume-building win. And we both know, and we all know, that Michigan can utilize a resume-building win. Let's talk about all things Penn State first. 5-0, and ranked 10th. Last game, they beat Northwestern 17-7. Sean Clifford is playing better this season. I was a little hard on Sean Clifford last year. Probably not a little. Probably more than I should have been. Uh, but he's definitely playing better. He's made strides. Nine touchdowns on the season. Two interceptions. The heart and soul of this offense is Nick Singleton. He is phenomenal. But don't get it confused. Katron Allen is coming along as well. Collectively, they have over 700 yards rushing. Collectively, they're averaging six yards of carries. They are getting the job done. And on the outside, Parker Washington is... He leads the team and catches, but in my opinion, he still isn't having the season that I thought he would be having. With the absence of Jahan Dawson, clearly he's wide receiver numero uno, but he doesn't have those type of stats that yet. He has the catches. He's doing okay in, in that department, but zero touchdowns on the season. I need Parker Washington to play better, and the Nittany Lions need Parker Washington to play better if they're going to win this game. He's gonna if they're gonna win this game, in my opinion, he's gonna need at least hundred yards, two touchdowns. That that's what he's gonna need. So let's talk about some key metrics for Penn State. Key metric number one. Thirty-two minutes of time of possession. That's their average. They're getting the ball four minutes per game. I think thirty-two minutes is kind of the staple for advanced analytics guys. If you can hold the ball thirty-two minutes, you can win a lot of games. Red zone efficiency is amazing. Nineteen or twenty in totality, ninety-five percent. As far as touchdowns, they're 16 or 20. That's really good. 80% of the times they get into your red zone, they're scoring a touchdown. Eight out of 10 times. It's pretty good. Let's talk about all things Michigan. Michigan is 6 and 0. We know they had the Cupcake Tour earlier in the season. They're the fifth ranked team in the nation. And then last week, they defeated Indiana in a game like Indiana and Merlin were good tests for Michigan, if you ask me. True test, no, but good test, yes. Uh, Indiana had the lead in that game. Uh, Michigan was able to pull away at the end, but. Like I say, nonetheless, it's a good game for them. So, J.J. McCarthy is playing really well. Uh, 1,100 yards on the season, nine touchdowns, one interception. His completion percentage is crazy, 78%. <laughs> 78% is his completion percentage. Blake Corum, just like I mentioned earlier with Sean Tuck and Syracuse, Blake Corum is the key to this offense. If Penn State wants to get this game, a couple things have to happen. Parker Washington has to ball out, out of his mind, and they got to stop number two defensively. That's that's the pretty much the recipe for for this game. Uh, Ronnie Bell and Luke Shoemaker are kind of you know their targets, their their favorite targets. Um, Ronnie Bell got thirty catches on the season. Shoemaker got twenty seven catches on the season. I'm sorry, twenty three catches on the season. Key metrics for Michigan. How do we evaluate this Michigan team? Forty points per game. They only allow eleven points per game. Time of possession that that key mark thirty two minutes. Twenty two sacks on the season. 
They're getting pressure. Even with Aiden Hutchinson playing on Sundays for the Detroit Lions, they're still getting pressure. And this stat really blew my mind. They've only allowed through six games 11 red zone trips. Not even quite two trips per game for the teams that they've played this season. That is phenomenal. Shout out to John Harbaugh and the company. So the key matchup for me is offensive coordinators. Yes, I say coordinators with an S. Uh, from Michigan, Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss. They run like that spread option. It's all about balance. And even though they are the pay callers, John John Harbaugh, I'm sorry, Jim Harbaugh wants one thing done. He just wants complete balance. He don't he does not want teams to know what they're doing. He wants fifty percent run, fifty percent pass. How does Michigan do it? I don't know, but I could just tell you what they do. They want a lot of pistol and gap runs. You know, they want to get Blake Corner ball in space. And them versus Penn State defense coordinator, Manny Diaz, former coach of the Hurricanes. He wants that hybrid 4-3, kind of 4-2-5 as well. Um, they need to stop number two at all calls, and he's going to do some simulated pressures. He's blitz happy from time to time, and they run a lot of my coverage. Give me Michigan for this game. Give me Michigan 27-20. to 20. I do believe if this game is in, Penn, in Happy Valley, I will take Penn State, but it's in a big house. Give me Michigan. Moving right along. That third Saturday in October. I'm super excited for game, for this game. I think folks in Tuscaloosa is excited for this game. I think folks in Knoxville are excited for this game. Even though Alabama has won this matchup 15 straight times. But the time for Tennessee is now. So let's talk about this. Also, Little Nugget, college game day will be in Knoxville for this game. That atmosphere is going to be crazy. I cannot wait to see that Saturday morning. So... These two teams are meeting for the 105th time. Alabama, of course, leads the series 58-38 to 38, um, with seven ties. They won last year's game 52-24, very convincing fashion, but that game was in Tuscaloosa. Uh, the last time Tennessee won a game in this series was 2006. So what are we going to do, Governor? It's only right if we take a trip back to 2006. Let me put things in perspective for you all. The iPhone 1, the original iPhone 1, was only in its second trimester. Hadn't even been born yet. It wasn't born until January 9, 2007. Oh, yeah, we're going there. Billboard, Top 100. We're going to talk about the top five songs of the Billboard Top 100 in October 2006. Moneymaker, Ludacris and Pharrell. I remember that record. Sexy Back. I thought that was going to be the number one song for this time, for this time period because I remember Justin Timberlake had a big year in 2006. Lips of an Angel, Hinder. Number four, Smack That, Akon and Eminem. Wow, we're bringing back some memories here. Question of the day, how old were you in 2006? That's going to be my question of the day. And Spotify, I'm going to also put uh, these segments on Twitter. So question of the day will be how old were you in 2006? And coming in at number five was the phrase, how to save a life. So when we think back to 2006, this is what was going on. The music, um, iPhones, Inception. Uh, but let's talk about this game. So, first things first. Tennessee is coming off a big victory versus LSU. They beat LSU 40-13. Uh, Hinton Hooker is playing lights out. Hinton Hooker is definitely one of the, the Heisman candidates. He has a 70% completion percentage, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's just playing lights out. And then, I'd like to say this, the firm, their running back uh, committee, right, Small and Hooker, they make, they make this offense hard to stop. With Hinton Hooker's passing ability, Jalen Hyatt's emergence also heard some good news that Cedric Tillman probably will be playing this Sunday. And then when we get to the Alabama second, 
segment, we'll be talking about Bryce Young, and I believe Bryce Young is playing this Saturday. So all excuses will be null and void. Jalen Hyatt, like I said earlier, he's playing phenomenal, 27 catches, five touchdowns on the season. His route running has definitely come to the forefront. So Tennessee keep metric, 46 points per game. We've seen a couple other teams averaging that a game. Um, 28 of 28 in the red zone, that's 100%. Josh Hypo has this team playing. Repeat after me. 22 of those were touchdowns. This Tennessee team is playing really good, and they're as good as, good as advertised. I need everybody to, to understand that. Bama squeezed past Texas a in this last week's game. Like I said, sounds like Bryce Young is going to play. Bryce Young, 67% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's playing great this season. I know a lot of people like to dial back to that Texas game. He still had a memorable play in the Texas game, and if he somehow, you know, light up the second half of the season and, and becomes the first player to win back-to-back Heisman since Archie Griffin, they're going to play that play a lot. Jameer Gibbs must see TV. He's really good. I had him on my top running back list coming into the season. He's electrifying, man. 8.3 yards per curry, 532 yards, two touchdowns. He also leads... The Alabama in receptions. Jameer Gibbs is that good. And I thought when I seen that he transferred from Georgia Tech to Alabama, I instantly thought that's going to help Bryce Young a ton. Bama key metric, they hold opponents to 22% on third downs. Oh, my. 22% on third downs. Tennessee, you, you're definitely going to get tested this game. Do not get in third and longs. Also, they have 18 sacks on this season. So, let's talk about the key matchup in this game. That third Saturday in October. I'm so excited for this game. Tennessee offensive coordinator Alex Gilesh. We know what he do. RPOs, play action. He like to get the ball out of Hennon Hooker hands. He also like to utilize Hennon Hooker in the run game. Versus Alabama defensive coordinator Pete Golding, who runs multiple 4-3, likes to get pressure, mug fronts, just like a lot of other teams. But, let me give you my prediction. Tennessee is going to win this game for the first time in 15 years. Knoxville, Tennessee is going to cancel school on Monday, and they're going to be partying all weekend in Knoxville. They're going to riot. I mean, I think the police are going to even allow them to riot. Give me Tennessee in this game by two scores, 34 to 20. Moving right along to our bold predictions. I know people in Tuscaloosa is upset with me right now. But, hey, that's my pick. So let's talk about some bold predictions Y'all had for the week, not really bold predictions, just just stuff to talk about. Y'all know how I like to do. So, I'm not sure if DeVito's playing this week, but I just seen a report that he might not be playing. And I think, I, I think, and I know I found that out after I made this prediction. I'm going to stick with this prediction. Minnesota versus Illinois will be game of the week. That game got a lot of Big Ten West implications. Um, if Illinois is able to find a way to win that game, look out. Because they might just win the Big Ten West. Oklahoma will play defense this week. I know their defense wasn't there versus Kansas State. Definitely wasn't there when TCU thrashed them. And their defense wasn't there last week in the Red River Showdown. Actually, I only see one team play that week. Last week in the, in the, in the, in the Red River rivalry. Utah will test USC. USC will be on upset alert. And I know UCLA just beat Utah. I know Florida beat Utah. Utah is going to test USC. This game is in Salt Lake City. I'm telling you. Right now, I'm betting I was forced to make a pick. Of course, I would pick USC. But I want to monitor the spread here. And I wouldn't be surprised if the spread favored 
in Utah's way. Now, if it does favor in USC's way, it won't be over three and a half. I can tell you that. Watch out. USC is on upset alert. Also, I want to talk about Will Rogers. Will Rogers is one of the best quarterbacks that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. I'm not saying that some people don't talk about him, but 22 touchdowns, three interceptions on the season. I think if Will Levis is able to go, from the reports I've seen, it's day-to-day, but it sounds like he might be able to go. Will Rogers will be the best quarterback in that game for that day. Not Will Levis. Will Rogers will be the best quarterback in that game. That's all I have for my bold takes, superlatives, and predictions. Now, let's get into the closing. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this show. I'm having a lot of fun with this. I can't believe that, you know, we're already 12, 13 episodes in. Um, if you if this is your first time seeing this show, uh, look at the very bottom. You can find us on Twitter. I like to do everything on Twitter uh, just because it's, it's easiest. Um, not really on YouTube that much, but I like I said, I like to do everything on Twitter. Um, this podcast is now on Anchor. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Podvine. It's on Pod Nation. It's everywhere now. Um, also, you can find me on Instagram. You guys ever have any questions? I'm interactive, man. Reach out to me. A lot of times, if you follow me, I follow you back. I don't care about numbers or nothing like that. I just like the interaction. So shout out to everybody who tuned into this episode. Can't wait to see you Monday. My boy Nino will be back on Monday. Hey, as I always like to say, do something nice for somebody you normally wouldn't do. Always pay it forward. Peace and love. Peace and blessings. And until next time, put that finger in the air. One.